Together we grow. We grow in our love for the Lord and we grow in our maturity and understanding of the word. And there was a documentary about a big cat tamer in Las Vegas. He had been working with a particular tiger for six years. And the one day during a show, this tiger bit him suddenly on the arm. He was shocked and caught by surprise and he reacted by hitting the tiger on its snout. The tiger then pounced on him and severely injured him. Thank God the man survived and was not killed by this tiger. Some Christians feel so confident about coexisting with their old nature. You know, when we came and gave our lives to Jesus Christ, a supernatural miracle took place in our lives. We don't see it, we don't feel it, but like that, as we received Jesus Christ by faith, as we came to the cross and received what Jesus died for, that his blood cleansed us of all of our sin, we knew in that moment as we confessed, as we received him, we knew in that moment we were a new person. We felt the freedom of receiving Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And in that moment, our old nature had died and we received a new nature. Now the problem is if we think we can coexist or live together with the old nature, what people do not realize is that they can try and exercise self-control over their desires and they can try to lead a good life. And then just in a moment, when you least expect it, this old nature comes out to pounce on you and the aim is to rise up and destroy you. And so we cannot exist or coexist with our old nature. There's only one way to treat the old nature and that is to put it to death. And Paul literally said that my old self has been buried, that we put it to death, that we bury the old nature. Because you see, when Jesus was crucified on the cross, that old nature was crucified with him so that we could receive a new nature and become new in him. Jesus, in his infinite love, took the place that actually we deserved and he gave his life so that our sinful nature could be forever destroyed. Proverbs 28 verse 13 says, People who conceal their sins will not prosper. Now someone who conceals their sins is someone who hides their sins. They cover their sins. They don't want anyone to know their sin. People who conceal their sins will not prosper. But if they confess and turn from them, they will receive mercy. Now, mercy is a supernatural miracle that we receive, a gift from God that we receive when we confess. But you see, this is the thing. King Solomon speaks to us about two requirements. The first is that we must confess our sins. The second is 
that we must turn away from from our sins. The combination of confession and turning away is called repentance. And we need to come to God in repentance. The word repentance means a change in attitude towards sin and towards God. If we used to think sin was good, when we are changed, we no longer think that same sin is good. If we used to hate God, when we change, we love God. Our attitude has changed towards sin and towards God. It's not about simply coming and saying a nice prayer. It's not about crying in the presence of God. But there must also be a change in attitude, a change that comes when we confess and we turn from those ways, we repent. And that's what needs to happen. We need to recognize our mistakes before God. Remember, our sins were concealed, covered up, hidden. We need to recognize our sin because the point is God knows them. There's nothing from him we can hide. And we need to make sure we don't try and justify our sin. The point is Jesus justified us at the cross. We don't need to justify ourselves anymore. We need to receive the freedom he gave us at the cross through his shed blood so that we would be justified as he set us free from our sins. We need to recognize the seriousness of our sin as well as confessing and turning away from them. Now, many people get into the confession side, but they never go further. They are prepared to acknowledge their sin. In fact, I have heard many people say, I need to come to church because I need to respond to the altar call. I've been messing up. The problem is when we come and we acknowledge our sin, but we don't abandon our sin, nothing changes. And that is not repentance. As soon as the opportunity for that sin presents itself, if we just acknowledge the sin and we don't turn away from it, that opportunity will present itself. And then what happens is we just return to committing the same sins that we just confessed. That is not repentance. Proverbs 26.11 tells us, as a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool returns to his sin. Now, I have dogs, and there have been times where they've eaten the wrong thing, they've eaten something funny, or they have been nauseous, and they vomit. And when they finish vomiting, they look at me with such trauma. They look at me with such guilt. Now, I'm trying to console them. But while I'm trying to console them, I'm also running to get some tissue paper to clean up the vomit so they don't go back to eating their vomit. The problem is when they feel guilty and they get back to the vomit before I can clean it up. You see, this is the difference between condemnation and conviction. Conviction is this, the Holy Spirit will highlight something in our lives. The Holy Spirit will show an area or areas in our lives that are sinful. And immediately when we realize, when we understand, conviction comes and we confess and we can turn, which means we change our attitude towards that sin and we repent. And as a result, we are cleansed of that sin because we are holy as unto God. We separate ourselves from that sin so that we can be holy as unto God. 
Now, condemnation is the expression of strong disapproval to the point of punishment or sentencing. And many people, when the Holy Spirit comes and highlights a sin in their life, area or areas in their life that are sinful, when they see that, they can feel guilt. And they can immediately, the guilt is condemnation, and they immediately pin that condemnation onto God and think God is putting that on them. So they think God is a judging God. God makes me feel bad about myself. No, that is the flesh nature. And condemnation comes from the devil, which the flesh nature receives open-handedly. This is why Paul said, there is now no condemnation. For those who are in Christ Jesus, when you are in Christ, a new nature, there is no condemnation. When the Holy Spirit comes with conviction, he just simply highlights something that is wrong. Or maybe someone comes and tells someone else what you have done. Now, in that moment, there can be confession and turning away, which means repentance. And you are cleansed from that. But condemnation, whether it's come out, the Holy Spirit shows you, or someone's now told you, you feel guilty, you feel bad, you feel judged, you feel worse, you feel angry, you feel like you can't get over this. You don't feel peace. You don't feel like you've been washed clean. You see, that's the difference between condemnation and conviction. When there's conviction of the Holy Spirit and we turn and we confess and we repent, then we receive peace, we receive cleansing, we know we've been washed clean by the blood of Jesus. But when there's condemnation, we feel worse, we feel angry, we feel like we didn't want that sin to come to light. We may even say, it's fine, I'll change. But we cannot change in our own strength. It is through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so conviction is an act of the Spirit Condemnation comes from the devil. It is an act of the flesh to receive condemnation. And just as a dog feels bad and goes to his vomit, that's what we do when there's condemnation. Disapproval, as I said earlier, may come from people. There was a woman that was caught in the act of adultery. If you've been a Christian for long, you know the story well. And you know, I want to say this to us because we have heard the story, read it, taught it many, many times. And because you know of the reaction of Jesus, you can overlook the sin of what this woman did. I want to say that adultery is no small thing. She commits the act of adultery. She is caught in the act of adultery and is taken in that act, naked, ashamed, into the temple to Jesus. Now, adultery is no small thing. It affects people, it affects family, and it affects generations. She's brought before Jesus, and Jesus says, well, let him who has committed no sin cast the first stone. The men are all standing there. They're shouting, they're complaining. The older men begin to go away. The younger men who are more full of pride, who are more judgmental, stand there. But as they watch the older men walk away, they too realize they too have sinned and they follow suit, maybe even begrudgingly. Do you know, the lesson for us is two things. We need to be careful to judge people. 
And the second thing is we need to ensure we are not arrogant, especially younger people, but older people too. We need to ensure we're not arrogant and full of pride. We need to follow the godly example of older people around us. A person's salvation is more important than their sin. We can't sort out our sin. Only Jesus can. But we have to get people to the cross so that Jesus can sort out their sin and do the miraculous work that only the blood of Jesus can. So this woman is left with Jesus and he asks her, where are all your accusers? And she says to him, they have gone. And he says to her, well, neither do I condemn you. You see, Jesus is not in the business of condemnation or accusation. That is the work of the devil. But he says to her, he doesn't leave it there. He says, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. So accusations and condemnation are not the nature of God. Your fleshly nature will never bring glory to God. Our flesh is ungodly and our flesh is directly opposed to God. And our flesh is directly opposed to God's will. The aim of our flesh is to exalt itself above the will of God, above the word of God. The flesh's desire is for us to always say, my will and my way. The spirit directs us to God. The spirit makes us like God. The Spirit helps us to lay ourselves down and the Spirit teaches us not my will be done, but God's will be done. The Bible tells us in Galatians chapter 5 that the acts of the flesh are drunkenness, sexual immorality, outbursts of anger, sorcery, hostility, jealousy, and the list goes on. And the Bible teaches us that the mouth speaks from what is inside of the heart. In Matthew chapter 12, Jesus' teaching tells us that the mouth is an overflow of what's coming from the heart. It overflows out of the heart and spills out of the mouth as such. Our words tell us where our heart is at. You know, we can listen to people and go, hmm, they're not in a good place. We need to listen to our own words. If we are complaining and grumbling, if we are speaking negatively, if we are using curse words or we are doubting and questioning God, it tells us that our fruit is bad. You can tell a tree by its fruit. A good tree produces good fruit and a bad tree produces bad fruit. We may not have caused any form of hostility, but our words can be so hostile and we realize, oh no. But now the question is, when we realize something, it's conviction or it's condemnation. And when we don't want to change, we are ruled by the flesh. The Holy Spirit comes in to do a supernatural work. When we have conviction, we confess and we turn. When full repentance takes place, the Holy Spirit does a miraculous work inside of us. When a person is full of God, their words are always full of faith and hope and optimism. They speak words that lead to success. They encourage people with their words. People that have fallen get encouraged by their words. They do not allow their words to be influenced by their circumstances. 
A person full of faith does not allow what's going on right now to affect what's going on inside of me. The Bible tells us that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And just as we learnt bad habits, like losing our temper, you learnt how to do that. That's a bad habit. Just as you learnt the bad habit, now we have to learn the good habit. And, you know, if you think of dieting, it takes time. You don't diet for three days and you're like, woohoo, I reached my goal weight. It takes time. It takes time and discipline and learning the habit of changing the old habit to a new good habit. It's the same with exercise. If you feel you need to get fit, it doesn't happen in three days. It takes plenty of time to learn to get fit. And this is exactly the same when we have to change our old habits with new habits. Paul taught us to count it all joy when we are persecuted, when we go through any form of trial or tribulation. He tells us to rejoice, rejoice, which means we are able to exercise the fruit of the Spirit when we are going through a difficult time. That is what God expects us to do. Just as exercise takes time and diet takes time and learning a skill takes time, you don't learn a skill and become excellent and experienced at it in three days. That's why we do a daily routine, reading the Word, applying the Word. We have to wait on the Spirit daily and ask the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us. We have to forgive daily, every day, everyone. We have to be disciplined daily. And I want to tell you, your flesh hates discipline. It feels like it's been abused and beaten and it will kick and scream until you no longer are disciplined. Your flesh hates discipline. Jesus said to this woman, go and sin no more. He set her free. And you know what? He set you and me free. And when we are set free, we should never, ever go back. Because when we go back, things can be worse. You know, the Bible tells us that when the demon was sent out of the person, he left and he found seven more demons. And he came back and the place had been swept clean. And no one was there, so he moved in with seven more demons, which means she was worse off after than before. Now, this is the point. That if God can heal us, if God can work a miracle in us before, he can do it again. But we need to be careful about going back to dangerous ground. And we need to ensure that when we confess, we turn away that there is full repentance. That we do not walk in our old nature where that old flesh can come back and pounce on us and try and destroy us. Every Christian needs to pay attention to their lifestyle so that they can be a conqueror. Jesus died so that you and I would walk in victory in every single area of our lives. If there is an area where you are weak, where you are battling, where you are fearful, where you are losing, Jesus doesn't want you to be losing in that area. We need to bring it to the cross. We need to confess. 
We need to turn and change so that full repentance takes place. And I always say this when I'm sitting with people, ministering to them and counseling and praying. The work of a Christian takes work. When you realize you've got to do the application, you've got to confess, you've got to say, Lord, I'm so sorry that I've done this. I realize this is in my life and I'm so sorry. I don't want to hurt you. I don't want to do this. Father God, I commit to change through the help of your Holy Spirit. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you that you will help me. I will never go back to this in Jesus' name. And then there's been confession and turning away. And from that moment on, God's Holy Spirit will come and do a miraculous work to enable you, to strengthen you, to help you to overcome. I want you to understand the battle at the cross was not a close call. You know, often we hear of voting, this candidate got 42% and this candidate got 48%. They just made it. The battle at the cross was not a close call. It was not like that. It was an overwhelming victory and an eternal victory. It was complete victory. The Bible tells us that Jesus made a spectacle of the devil. And I want you to remember that. There is nothing in your life that you cannot overcome with incredible power through the cross of Jesus Christ. But we need to decide no longer the old self that lives, but it's Christ that lives in me. And so may you be strengthened as you go into this week. May you realize that you are learning patience and every day to walk in patience and kindness, to walk in self-control and goodness, to walk in love, joy, peace. Whatever it is that you're battling with, God wants you to overcome. You have overwhelming victory at the cross. Let's pray together. Father, we come to you, Lord, and thank you that you have given us overwhelming victory, that we walk in it, that we access it through faith. And we ask you, Lord Jesus, that every single day, regardless of the situation, we would walk in joy. We would walk in peace and patience and love and kindness and self-control, that we would persevere, that the fruit in us would be good fruit. And we thank you, Father, that because of the cross of Jesus Christ, we have overcome the old nature. It has been buried. And I pray, Father God, we would walk in the fruit of your spirit, that we would be a tree that shows its fruit is good. I pray, Lord Jesus, and thank you that your spirit, the Holy Spirit, will help us, enable us, comfort us, strengthen us. Lord, we want to tell you how much we love you. We thank you, Lord, that we can grow in your word. We thank you that your word empowers us to be a message on this earth to people, Father God, that through our actions, through our fruit, they can be drawn to the love of Christ. We thank you for the incredible privilege of that. And we pray this all through the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Out of joint, I'm 
crying out day by day, and by night I find no rain. 